Namo myoho renge kyo, namo myoho renge kyo, namo myoho renge kyo. Hi, friends. Um, this is a real short one. Uh, one of the next entries in the uh, volume two coming soon of Buddhism Reference. The fourfold assembly is something we hear uh, invoked or, or um, translated early on in the Lotus Sutra. And um, the entry I have in here so far is that in the Lotus Sutra, the audience for the teaching to be presented, right, when we first start out, is defined by virtue of their standing in study and practice and their relation to the Buddhist order. Yeah, I, you've heard me say before, it's like uh, all these different qualities. Well, you know, in samsara, we call them characteristics or personalities, so on and so forth. Uh, in terms of uh, the teaching of the Dharma, these are people in different modes of, or capacities of mind. Some are more studied, some study differently. Some are uh, studying while coursing in uh, daily events as merchants, farmers, so on and so forth. Others are sequestered or have voluntarily sequestered themselves in uh, um, whether it be a cave or a monastery or whatever uh, to focus on their study uh, for different aspects uh, of their minds, right? But all have a role to play, and certainly 3,000 years ago, in the development of capacity to finally attain this teaching, the Lotus Sutra, so that all, regardless of their quote-unquote capacity, hmm, can instantiate their Buddha nature. And that's quite something. So, in the Lotus Sutra, the audience for the teaching to be presented is defined by virtue of their standing in study and practice and their relation to the Buddhist order. Of all the personages and levels of understanding that Shakyamuni lists, what the Buddha makes clear in his statement about the fourfold assembly is that the four monks, nuns, laymen, and laywomen are equal. This is a very important point that brings the Lotus Sutra around full circle to Siddhartha Gautama even before he set on his path to discover this universal truth, right? His goal was that a universal truth should be, by its nature, truth for everyone, no matter what their status, their status, their, uh, what is it in India, their, their caste, yeah? Wealth, mental prowess, language, whatever, doesn't matter. Because Buddha is innate. If it's, well, it wasn't even called Buddha at that point. It was this truth that should, if known, reduce, if not eliminate, those stresses, anxieties, dis-ease that come from wrestling with the physical material world. It doesn't get rid of the physical world. It just changes the way we experience the physical world. That's a very, very critical point, yes? So when he says that they're equal or genuinely equal, I mean, at fundament, they are equal. 
in that not one of them can be removed or neglected in the pursuit of the Buddha path, because all are equally um, have access to the Buddha nature, right? It's in, inherent in them. If the tradition of Buddhist practice were to neglect women practitioners, for instance, then Buddhism itself is left unsteady. Now, why single out women? Because they're always singled out. But you could just as easily say, if the tradition neglects monks, I mean, doesn't that hit you? Why would the Buddhist practice neglect monks? Well, it wouldn't be the same Buddhist practice, would it? There would be something out of kilter here. It's no different if you remove women or lay women or nuns or laymen, right? We're all absolutely equal in that we all have the same access to the same universal truth that is inherent in our moment-to-moment -moment existence, yes? So that's the fourfold assembly. Not a very long description, but uh, know, sometimes this, this can be confusing. We go by these terms and we don't really consider them for their intent. So thanks for listening. Take care of your health. I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now.